But you know what? This is a weapon. So if you believe that, repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. All right. I'm in a good place. What message entitled today, The Unshakable Kingdom. Let's say that together. The Unshakable Kingdom. And we're going to read from Hebrews 12, verse 26 and 29. Whose voice then shook the heaven. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire." Let's read it one more time. We're going to read it in the Message Bible. Hopefully it comes a little more alive and even a little more relevant. His voice that shook the earth to its foundations this time, He's told us this quite plainly. He'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. Let's say that. An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming up with worship, deeply reverent before God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and He won't quit until it's all cleansed. God Himself is fire. Doesn't need a lot of explaining, does it? But there's a whole lot of shaking going on, isn't there? I mean, economic systems, political systems, I mean, you name it, there's a shaking going on. You go out to one of these trees right now where the leaves are dying, you shake it, the leaves are going to begin to fall off. And so those dead things that even even come, I say, Lord, let it come. Shake those dead things off my life in Jesus' name. But when there's an earthquake, when there's a shaking going on, I want to be in a safe place. My daughter, last night we had church and... She was at home, and the television comes on, and they say, take cover. There could be a tornado in the area. Then she realizes nobody else is there. Even Grandma and Grandpa have left, and she's by herself, and she's not real thrilled about storms anyhow. And so I said, if it's not raining out, just drive to church right now because there's just something where she could be around her daddy, and if her daddy's not panicking, then she has a sense of security. But the only thing I can tell you, you know, they say when an earthquake comes, get, get in the doorway. But I don't want to spend my life, I don't want to work in the doorway, sleep in the doorway, eat in the doorway. I mean, there's an unshakable kingdom we can be in that won't shake. But the only advice I can give you in an earthquake, if you're looking out the window and you see this giant crevice coming towards you, either step to the left or the right. That's about the best I can do for you. But there is an unshakable kingdom that you can enter into. When everything else is shaken, you can be with your daddy and it's going to be safe. So I need to talk to you tonight, this morning and last night about the kingdom. Say kingdom. That, it comes from the word king and domain. Okay? Jesus talked about the kingdom. He came to preach the kingdom. You look in the book of Luke and just do a word study, the word kingdom is just pages. Because he, he would preach the kingdom, heal the sick. 
And when we talk about the kingdom, things would happen. The kingdom would show up and things would happen. That's what we're believing at the end of this service. Things are going to happen, whatever you might need. Now, all kingdoms have some things in common. First of all, all kingdoms have a king, a lord, a sovereign. That's common with all kingdoms. And authority flows from the king and the word of the king is supreme. Whatever the king says, that's it. Now, in the United States, let's say President Obama just liked you real well, Nick. Uh, and he said, I like Nick so much, I just want to give him $3 million. Well, if he did that, the citizens would rise up and say, wait, that's a misuse of government funds. He's not allowed to do that without going through the proper channels. But now if the king of a kingdom would decide he likes Nick, he could have one of his subjects write a check, give it to Nick, and you know what they'd say? They'd look at Nick and say, Nick has favor with the king. See, there's a difference there. In a kingdom form of government, the king has that ability, and the territory is the, dom the domain, the property, the people, everything in there the king owns. He is lord over that all. Matter of fact, the word lord, the word lord denotes ownership and means that he is owner of everything. He is lord of all. Now, in my life, there was a time, first of all, I spent about 30 years in church, but I didn't understand this thing about kingdom. I was not, if I died, I wouldn't have went to heaven even though I went to church because I was living like the devil the rest of the week. And there was one point I said this prayer, you know, Jesus, I need you in my life so I don't, so I don't go to hell. So basically, God was my kind of fire insurance policy. He was my spare tire, but He was not Lord of all. And if He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. And a guy shared this story when I was in San Antonio, and he said, and I don't know if it's a true story, but it was, he was driving along, it was raining, and there was a guy hitchhiking on the interstate, and he felt sorry for him, so he pulls over, and he backs up a little bit, and the guy comes to his window, he rolls it down, and says, here, just throw your stuff in the back seat, you know, hop in, and I'll give you a ride. And he said, well, I want to ride in the front seat. And this guy's thinking, man, this guy's pretty picky, I'll just leave right now. But he says, he's a little patient, he said, okay, just, you know, put your stuff in the back seat if you want or wherever, but you can hop in the front seat. He said, no, no, I want to drive. Now, you just think about that a minute. Don't we do that with Jesus? So, okay, and I did that. Okay, you can come into my life, but could you just get in the back seat? If I need you, I'm going to let you know, okay? And then you can help me. And then maybe we even get to that place where, oh, maybe in the front seat if I need a little co-pilot. But he needs, just say, Jesus, take the wheel. He really needs to take the wheel. He needs to be Lord of your life, king of your life. Can anybody say Amen. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So he created all, he owns it all. Now all kingdoms have a constitution or a royal covenant, okay? It contains the benefits and privileges that the kingdom has toward all the citizens. And the constitution is the documented words of the king. This Bible is the constitution of the king. This is his will and mind for his citizens. And somebody's told me there's over 7,000 promises in here. Now, you don't think there's one in there for you and your situation? I believe so. So, if God's Word declares that it's His will for you to be healed, be healed. If it's God's Word and He declares that you should have eternal life, then believe it, take it at His, at His Word, and be saved. If it's God's Word that declares that you're made righteous in Christ, believe it. If God's Word declares that it's His will for you to prosper, prosper. If it's God's Word declares that it's His will for you to be more than a conqueror, then conquer. Because there's power in the words of the King. 
Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. He even puts his word above his name. You can put faith in the king's words. Amen? Now, all kingdoms also have this in common. They have a citizenry, a, a community of subjects. The citizenry is the people that are under the rule of the king and under the authority of the king. And citizenship in this kingdom is not a right, it's a privilege. Understand that. There was a time in America. I mean, we welcomed the poor, the hurting. And they went through a process to become citizens. Then they received all the rights. And things have got a little muddy lately. Not to make getting political things stirred up here. But I mean, the right way in the kingdom of God is you have to be a citizen if you want to enjoy those rights and privileges. As a matter of fact, when you're a citizen, the king is obligated to take care of you. And his taking care of you and your welfare is a direct reflection of who he is. So the number one goal of a citizen is to remain in right standing. That ought to be our goal, to remain what? Righteous. And even that is a gift. whole other lesson there. And what does Jesus say? Our first priority is to seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then what? All these things will be added to you if you just keep seeking the kingdom. Something else, all kingdoms have a law or acceptable principles. And the laws of the kingdom cannot be changed by the citizens. I mean, they're not up for referendum or negotiation in any way. Again, what the word of the king is, it's law. And rebellion against the law is rebellion against the king. Now, when you're in rebellion, you will not have peace in your life. A matter of fact, if a teenager in your house is in rebellion, you probably don't have peace in your house. But just think about your house. There needs to be no rebellion. And let's just go back to the teenager, th teenager thing for just a minute. Who do you think God's going to hold responsible if your teenager is in rebellion? Who, his delegated authority, which is the parent. And so, I mean, sometimes you have to put your foot down and say, that spirit's not going to be in my house, in Jesus' name. We'll let Travis teach the rest of this lesson, our youth pastor. All kingdoms have an army or security forces. And you need to understand, as a citizen, you don't have to fight in that army. You can just enjoy its protection. Now, in the kingdom of God, we have angels, and they're called what? The host of heaven. That word host means army. So we have this army of angels that are out there meeting your needs. The Bible says that they will meet the needs of the saints. And so do you use these angels at all? I start every day. I plead the blood of Jesus over me. I pray over my prayer list, and I pray angels go forth and minister the needs of my family. Watch over them as they drive. And protect us and keep us. All kingdoms have privileges, rights and benefits. These are the privileges the king just lavishes on his citizens. And the king owns everything within the kingdom, so he can give any citizen any amount or all that he wants. That's his privilege. A matter of fact, it says in Psalm 37, 4, If you go after the desires of him, he will give you the desires of your heart. He wants to give you the, Luke 12, 32, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's His good pleasure. And in a kingdom, citizenship is always desired by the people because once you're in the kingdom, you realize that king has to personally take care of my welfare and meet all my needs. We have a good king. Here's some other components for a kingdom to function effectively. A good kingdom needs a health program. 
We have healing. By His stripes, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. Could you imagine a nation without hospitals or doctors? His Word says, don't forget His benefits. He'll remove all your iniquities. He will heal all of your diseases. There's got to be an education program. We have the teaching of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, He will teach us all things. There's got to be a taxation system. We have tithing. Taxes in our nation are used to maintain roads, the military, government offices. Well, in, in God's system, He uses the tithe to keep His church and evangelistic work going throughout the world. There needs to be a central communication system. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And he can communicate. And it's amazing how he can communicate something right here in this congregation and thousands of miles around the world. He can communicate that same thing. He gets the word out. There needs to be an economy, a system of giving and receiving. We have seed time and harvest time. For an economy to be strong, there has to be buying and selling. Matter of fact, that's why they try to do with these stimulus, try to pump some money in and think, well, now the money will exchange and the economy will be a little better. But in God's economy, you have to give so you can receive and maintain a healthy economy personally. In the United States, it's important to know the principles that govern our nation. If you want to be a law-abiding citizen, if you want to prosper, okay? And ignorance is no excuse. Because you can stand before that judge and say, you know, I didn't realize I couldn't drive my car through the store window, take a shopping cart, fill it up, put it in my trunk and drive off. I mean, I, I just thought, no, boom, you're guilty. They put speed limit signs out there, so there's no excuse. And you need to find out those things if you want to prosper. God's kingdom. What does he say in Hosea 4, 6? My people are dying. They're being destroyed because of lack of knowledge. I mean, we have Sunday school classes. We have, we have all these things in place to help you grow and get closer to the Lord and to learn about His kingdom. But you've got to put yourself in position. So how do you enter this kingdom? Sounds like a good kingdom, right? I mean, I want to be in an unshakable kingdom, especially now where things are very uncertain. I mean, just look at this. pastor's been preaching on it. I mean, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. In one moment, something like 9-11 just changed everything. So how do you get in this kingdom? John 3, 3. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. It goes on to say if you're born of spirit and water, then you can enter into the kingdom of God. So the only way you get in the kingdom is to be born again. Say born again. Like I said, you, don't, you aren't born again from going to church. That doesn't mean you can go to heaven just because you go to church or baptize or stand behind this pulpit and preach. You must be born again. That means you have to have a personal relationship with God. It doesn't come by osmosis, just hanging around Christian people. You have to personally make a decision to invite Christ into your life. And make Him not just your Savior, but He wants to be Lord and Savior. That means, God, I repent. I turn from my old ways. I am going to follow you. And you can't do that on your own. I was 30 years old and realized there was something missing in my life. Playing pro football, had a nice car, girl, things. Man, things ought to be great right now. But it's like, man, there's something missing. I had a God hole. That only be filled with the relationship with God. And I realized that day, I had to raise my hand in front of about 20 other football players that were all bigger than me, but I knew it was between me and God. I need to get my life right that day and get on track. And I raised my hand and said a simple prayer to, that Jesus would be Lord of my life. And you know what? My life changed. There was nothing supernatural happened at that moment. 
angels coming out of the sky and give me high fives or any audible voices. But I look back and I begin to sense a peace in my life that I didn't have. And I begin to have a direction. And God began to order my steps. Because I was translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Anybody else been there? You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Amen. Now when it says you will not see the kingdom of heaven, that word see is the Greek word eldon. And it means more than just the act of being able to see something in the natural. It actually means to be able to perceive, to be able to perceive what this kingdom is. Because it's a kingdom we can't see. But yet you see the effects of it. We're serving a king we can't see. How many have seen the effects in your life when you invited the king in and let him really take control? I mean, we just had testimonies earlier if you came late. People are set free from drugs and, and depression and discouragement. I tell you, if you really let the king to come in, he'll get things in order. He really will. The benefits of entering the kingdom is you're able to see and you're able to hear. My sheep will hear my voice, the voice of a stranger they will not follow. You're able to begin to see and perceive things you couldn't before. As a matter of fact, this thing here, it's written in secret code. It's top secret. You're not going to be able to understand it. It confirms that in Mark 4.11. He said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things are parables. They're mysteries. But when you invite the king in and the Holy Spirit... This thing comes alive, and it is truth, and there's not one error in it. And you think 66 different books written by 30 some, 36, 37 different authors over a period of thousands of years on how it flows as just one thing, and it's alive, and it's sharp, and it's powerful, and it'll change your life. Hallelujah. You know, my wife, when she grew up in the Catholic Church, I grew up in the Lutheran Church, and uh, I received a great foundation, but I didn't hear about this having a personal relationship. But my wife was discouraged when she kind of looked at a Bible and, and went to look at it. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the priest will read that for you, and we'll help you understand what that means. That's not for, for you to read. Can you imagine that? I just heard news there's a new priest in, at one of the Catholic churches in town that is encouraging the people to begin to bring their Bibles and get in the Word. Praise God. Now, upon salvation... Upon entering into the kingdom, these benefits and abilities that are available to you, they're imparted to you at that moment. You need to realize that. When you enter the kingdom, when you get saved, you have power. It's available to you. As a matter of fact, John 1.12 says, As many as received him, I'm talking about that personal relationship, I'm talking about receiving him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, To them he gives the power to become children of God. Right when you enter the kingdom, when you're born again, you become a son and a daughter of the king. And you're endued with Christ's power. That same power that he used on this earth to lay hands on the sick and see him recover, to raise people from the dead, is available to everyone in this room that has a relationship with him. The Bible says even greater things will we do. Now we're not seeing things because there's some things got to come in order. Some things got to be snapped back in place. And a whole city can experience the presence of God. And you're going to see a little video at the end that will explain that. So he gives you power. That means he's commissioned us with full power of attorney. He sends us out with authority. I mean, he gives us everything. And he backs it up. You know, you've been given a power. You've been given power over opposing forces. Do you believe there's forces out there opposing you? I talked about that host of heaven. That was two-thirds of the angel. One-third of the angels got cast out of heaven with Satan. And those are those hosts that we have to fight against. 
But we've been given power, according to Luke 10, 19, that we've been given authority, power to tread on serpents and over scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. That's what the Word of God says. He's given us power to bring restoration to people, to restore people. Mark 16, 18, it says, Believers will lay hands on the sick and they will re recover, be restored. And that can be restored for whatever. Something mental, something physical, something emotional, whatever it is. I believe at these altars, if you'll give somebody a chance to pray with you, I believe God's kingdom is going to come and flow through these altar workers today. And you'll receive whatever you need from the kingdom. Because that's what His Word says. He's given us the power to preach the gospel to every creature. This is the power of God unto salvation right here. He's given us that power and boldness and ability to do that. He's given us power to create wealth. Deuteronomy 8.18. He gives us the power, say power, to create wealth. Now, as you can see, when you start talking about the kingdom, we could go lots of directions. We could be here a long time. And when I just talk about the power available, all the different aspects of power that, you can, that are available. But I want to kind of focus on what the Lord's just kind of helping me with right now, and it's the power to create wealth. And there was something that happened back in June where I, I was able to buy something and sell it and double my money, and I was just, you know, giving God praise, and I was driving away from Walmart, and I just, that word power, that scripture, the power to create wealth, it just stuck with me. And he began to give me the acronym for it. And so I wrote it, and it was June 30th, and I started to write this. And so, say power. The P stands for position. If you want the power to, for your finances to come in order, the power to create wealth, first of all, you have to get in position. If you're a law-abiding citizen in the kingdom of God, then the king will personally take care of you. When I say law-abiding, you've got to understand what this word says and line up with the word. Now, if you don't tithe, you're a thief. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what the king said. He just, I'm just a court gesture today, juggling here a little bit. Hey, look at this. But, you know, that is what the king says. And you're going to hear from just, from my heart, I'm not up here trying to do this as a pastor saying you have to do this. I'm telling you, I'm a satisfied customer. I've seen God move. I'm a citizen that's seen the blessings of the king. Anybody else out there where you've seen that? Amen. But listen to what God says in Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You have... You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord. Test me, he says. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for such a blessing, there will not be enough room for you to receive it. You have to get in position. You've got to get under the spout where these blessings come out. And this is such a passion when I see people hurting. And it's like you want to pray for them, but you realize I can't break a curse that they're under according to this word. They've just got to line back up. And that's why I try to encourage you, man. And even if we're down at the homeless, I said, man, if God bless you with 10 bucks this week, you take that, a dollar of that, and you give it to somebody. But there's two things. You need to get in position with your tithe. That's 10%. With me, it's, just, it's holy. I don't even want to mess with it. Just get it out of my hands and into the storehouse. And that's the other thing. Are you a part of a storehouse? Are you a part of a local church? That's the way the God's economy, and that's the way His government and kingdom is working, especially in this hour. And that's why you hear all this other junk going on. Oh, well, you know, the church is it's just, it's just people and wherever we meet. No, there needs to be that system where there's elders and deacons and there's pastors to, to pray over you, help you hold yourself accountable. Some person on TV is not going to do that. 
And you give all you want to TV after you've given your tithe to the local storehouse. That's just my personal views there, but I think you look in the Word and it'll confirm it. I get that 10% out of the way, and it's God's, it's holy, and then it gets exciting. Because the next penny I give is a seed. That's when I give. So you can't sit here and say, well, I give, or I tithe once in a while. No, it's like being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You either tithe or you don't. You really do. And then that offering opens up opportunities. Man, once you do that, things just begin to happen, I tell you. Um, I was reading some other things. Matter of fact, I want to go back and tell you where a lot of this message about the kingdom was kind of just stirred in me. And it was from a pastor that was on staff here, Pastor Andy Cantu Sr., who's been with the Lord now about three to four years. His son Andy's back there doing sound and doing an excellent job, Andy. I uh, appreciate you and your family. Amen. That's worth giving us sound man a hand clap. They don't get many of those. But he had a whole series on the kingdom-minded life, 13 weeks or so, and just really opened up this whole kingdom thing. And so a few of these notes are from him, but isn't it amazing? He's with the Lord, but yet his voice is still speaking. And hopefully, and it's making a difference in my life. But when I was doing some studying, there was a man back in the Depression when they had the soup lines, and there could be some, I know my dad had to experience a depression. He grew up in South Dakota during the Dust Bowl, and, and he knows what it's like to be without and appreciates uh, when things are going well. But this man would help with the soup lines, and he felt prompted to ask everybody that he served that come through the soup line, he'd ask him one question. Do you tithe? And guess what? The answer 100% of the time was no. Not one time did somebody come through the soup line and gave the answer that they were a tither. Not one time. What does the Bible say? You've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. I mean, this word really works. Now, personally, it was about two or three weeks ago, I felt like I needed to stretch myself and get some seed in the soil. And, stre- and pastor mentioned about some need in the church, so I said, you know, I'm going to stretch out there a little bit. Uh, for me, it was a stretch, and I, I planted that seed. Before the day was over, somebody gave that exact amount to my wife. Before the day was over. I already got my seed back. And then I think, now the blessing's going to be coming. What's it going to be? And then I said, okay, I'm going to get, and next week he talked about Haiti. Boom, that seed's going back in the ground. I'm going to see what he can do there. And within the week, that same amount came back. And so I did it again, and the same amount came back. Plus, I've got these other blessings that are happening. And so today, last night, I said, man, I'm going to put this seed back in the soil. And then I thought, what if I get a bigger seed back? Ooh, then I'm going to have to decide. You know, I mean, there was a point when we built Powerhouse that the Lord prompted me, and I was trying to buy and sell some cars to give a car. And it was maybe a $1,000 car, but I just, I said, I feel like i got to do this. And, and we did, and it was, I don't know, it was a month or so, somebody gave me a car worth more than twice that amount. This has happened three or four times I've been given vehicles. But you know what? I've sold some vehicles. And now I'm thinking, could I use another vehicle? What do I got to do? And I'm thinking, oh, do I want to stretch myself? But anyhow, it's just amazing. I, mean, I dare somebody out there to try to outgive God. When you're really in line, I just don't think it can be done. Has anybody experienced that? I mean, honestly, I'm not just talking about playing, but I mean, really, I mean, I'm just, just think of this amount if I just keep passing it on, and it just happens faster and faster, and we increase the amount. I mean, you look at the great businesses, like even John Deere, he worked on 10% of what he got and gave 90%. People like J.C. Penney. I mean, it's a principle that works. Okay, let's move on. The letter O, and these will go real quick, 
stands for order. So you got to get in position, and then you have to get things in order. Say order. And this is a scripture I preached on. It's kind of an expanded version of Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in order all these things may be added to you. When there's an order come, the blessings begin to flow. If things are out of sync, it won't flow so good. So you have to get things in order. Now, first of all, is your life in order? If you want the blessings to flow, get things in order. Are your finances in order? I'll be the first to say my finances are not in order. That's why I preach messages like this, just to help and encourage me, and, and the word, is it works. But you know what? The letter W stands for wisdom. And I believe I'm getting wisdom to help get things in order because I know I can't do it on my own. I'm not one of these great financial guys like, you know, Larry Jones or Pastor John that, that really just, uh, just have a great wisdom and grace there. But I do know about seed time and harvest time. And that's kind of the way I operate. But it's time where i got to get things in order. And it was time back in January. There's some real crazy financial things. But the, in the midst of that, I mean, it was just a miracle. The Lord gave me a piece of equipment that somebody just had to get rid of. We were able to use it, produce some wealth, and then I was able to sell it for more than twice the amount. I mean, it was just one of those blessings. But then I, there was another need coming up, and I was in this sanctuary. Oh, Lord, how are we going to do this? What's going to happen? And I just wasn't really hearing from the Lord, but I, looked, I saw my notebook. Hold that up, Jessica. My little journal. Get you a journal. Write down the things God's doing. Write down your prayer requests. And keep track of it, and you'll see. Because I could go back in that journal, just sitting in my office, I thought... This is your favorite suit, right, Jessica? She likes it. That's why I wore it today. But you know what? $10, Salvation Army. Didn't have to adjust it. Look at that. Perfect size. Had it there waiting for me. I can give you stories about our house, how the miracle that it was built, and, and all sorts of things. But he'll give you wisdom. And when I was sitting there, I, got, I just felt like, get the journal out, put your pen down. I said, oh, here we go. But I just started writing. And there was two letters that I wrote first. It was B and R, and they didn't stand for bankrupt. They stood for budget and Ramsey. That means I needed to get a budget and know where things were going and keep track of things, and I needed to take the Dave Ramsey course or just at least get the information and start absorbing it, which I've taken some little steps. But uh, Nolan Smith's over that. They'll probably have that course again in January. How many people in here have been blessed by that course by Dave Ramsey? There's been many in this room, especially first service, many that are out of debt now. But you've got to get things in order. Say order. And here's the other little neat thing that happened. He'll give you wisdom. I got this little email that says, I am the beneficiary of the late Scott Kennedy, and he has $8 million for a Christian man that can just do good things with it. I said, I can do some good things with it. But we've been conversing back and forth. It's probably up to 20 emails now, and the amounts went up to a little higher. But anyhow, you know, I know there's probably a good chance they're trying to, because he hasn't asked for my personal information until this last one. And they want all my personal information so they can just sh get it in my account. I said, well, I have, and it's in, the, it's in England, of course. And I said, well, I have a good friend in England that could personally go to that bank and give you all my information. And we haven't heard from him since then. Um, but we'll see. But the point is, I was sitting there thinking, what if God would want to do that? Eight million dollars. And then I wrote down eight million reasons why I need to get things in order. Because you think I'd get it if things weren't in order? And then I wrote these questions down. I just asking myself, could I be trusted? Would I be a good steward? Would I get lazy? Would I be extravagant to myself? I mean, there's a responsibility that comes with this, isn't there? 
But I really believe in this end times, this shaking going on, God is looking for some faithful people. He has got to be able to finance this end time harvest. And he's looking for people that, that are willing to let finances flow through them. And he'll bless you in the process. Now, this wisdom. When you're asking for wisdom, how do you know it's the Lord? Well, the one thing the enemy can't duplicate or counterfeit is peace. And there's been some things I, I shared during the offering a couple weeks ago about a transmission that went out in a pickup and I needed one. And, and if I just did the work myself and got it to the guy, it'd be about six, 700 to rebuild. And I was at that place, well, even if I want to sell the pickup, I need to get it fixed. And I was about ready to fork out the money and, and I tried some other way and that door shut and they didn't have one, a used one. And then I was at this car show and, and swap meet that had just older vehicles and there was a transmission for that pickup that was a newer model sitting on a table and I asked the guy what the story was and he said well I rebuilt it for this guy and he never picked it up so now I'm stuck with it and I'll give you a great deal on it for 300 bucks and so I mean that was just one thing and then there was something else I was supposed to buy to get a vehicle going and I got I was thinking I'm gonna have to do this kick out 1200 bucks and I just felt like well, let's just wait and I tried another avenue and it, the door shut, and they had to refinance, my, give my money back, because it just didn't have the, the situation available. And it just kept, and I just didn't have a piece. And I waited, and I was able to get twice the deal for half the money. I mean, it was just, God will give you that wisdom, and sometimes it's just wait. Because the thing about a right decision, the timing's got to be with it. It's got to be the right decision at the right time. Because the wrong decision at the right time, or the, vice versa, just doesn't work. So that wisdom he'll give you can even be timing. Let's finish up here. The E is expect. That just means faith. You've got to believe. You've got to expect that God's there. He's on your side. He can meet your needs. He wants to bless you. He really does. And he has unlimited resources. He can do what he said he can do. And what's the enemy going to do? He's going to come with the only thing he has is fear and anxiety. And try to get in between your ears and get you to move out of that unshakable kingdom of faith into his shakable kingdom of fear. And fear and faith don't coexist. So you've got to get back in this word, declare, and I, it's not just enough just to kind of, no, you've got to declare it. You've got to put this word into circulation into the spirit realm. That's why I say no weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment will be shown to be in the wrong. And I speak it out loud. Why? So the devil hears it and he has to bow his knee. So I hear it and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mean, this has power when it's, the word of a king, is there's power. Are we kings and priests according to the word of God? So we need to speak this word out. So E, expect God to do something. And E, R, responsibility. But the other R that I want to give you is resources. Because God will give you the resources necessary for you to accomplish what he's called you to do. And I believe he's called everyone in this room to do something bigger than what you can do on your own. Something. And you're going to need him. And you're probably going to take resources. Cannot he give you resources? Whether it's people, whether it's money, whether it's, it's seed to plant. Just one quick thing. God gave us a word that we'd have a house. A prophetic word confirmed by two different people. And what happened after that? The, person, the place we were renting doubled the rent. And we had to go live with somebody else for a while. I mean, sometimes opposition comes after that. But I had a word to fight with. And part of that word was that we'd have a house with a fence and a pool. Well, we finally got the house and the fence, but there was no pool. And I got bids on pools, and I go, oh, man, I'm going to need a whole lot of faith, a whole lot of blessing. And I finally felt this prompting to do it, my, you know, kind of try it myself. So I bought a kit over the Internet, had somebody dig a hole, and away we go. 
Thank you, Jesus. Jesus being obedient, Lord prompted her to do something. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm in the middle of building this pool, and I come to the run the cement time. And I've ran a little cement, you know, some sidewalks and things. And it was in August, and it hadn't been under 100 degrees any day. And I know one thing about cement and heat, it sets up quick. And I got a whole lot of cement to run, and I say, well, Kevin Moat knows a little bit about cement. Maybe he can come and help me. And, but I'm realizing this thing is way too big for me. Out of the blue, and a guy called me that built my house, and it had been several years. And it was a man, and the whole house story is a miracle because it was a house that we wanted to buy, and it burnt in the middle before we could buy it. And a contractor said, don't touch it. It's a mess. Meanwhile, God saves somebody, delivers them from alcohol, puts them in our church. He goes and looks at the house that I can rebuild it. And we end up with twice the house and whatever could have happened. And that same guy, after two years, calls me and says, how's things going? I said, well, we're doing good, but I'm in the process of building this pool and I'm trying to run the cement. You got any wisdom for me? He said, well, let me call you back in an hour. He calls me back and said, I'll have my crew of three or four guys show up. Uh, what day are you doing it? Friday? They'll show up and they'll take care of it. And they showed up. I watch the cement trucks roll in, and away we go. Cannot he provide resources? He can. But there's responsibility that comes with that. Now, as I close, you know, just that resource. Has anybody watch American Pickers? It's kind of a fun show to watch. These guys, and there's this girl in the office that sets up all the connections for him. She says, hey, there's this uh, guy that his son, his father passed away, and he's got two barns full of antiques and stuff and, and she kind of makes the connection they go there and they they see these old signs and the guy's saying oh, that's probably not worth much and they'll buy them for 20 sell them for 200 but don't we have a holy spirit that can tell us where things are at when somebody lost their keys and we had some, one of the other people last night say you can ask the lord where they're at with me if your face not there i just ask an angel to go get them and put them where i can find them or something but there's a king and when, a king, when the kingdom comes to a person, things change. When the kingdom shows up in a church, things change. When a kingdom shows up in a city, things change. Let's watch this video. It's not too long, but watch it. And this maybe open our eyes about the kingdom for a minute and just what God could do maybe in Texarkana. Manchester, Kentucky, once known as the painkiller capital of the nation, is now known as the City of Hope. This night, hundreds have come out to see the world premiere of an Appalachian Dawn, a documentary that tells how God transformed a region held captive by corruption, poverty, and drugs. It all started in 2004. The citizens of Clay County were desperate. Their children were dying in record numbers from drugs, and the dealers ran the town. Desperation turned into prayer and unity as folks laid aside their denominational differences to march through town. They bravely told the drug dealers, get saved or get busted. The pastors repented for not working together and letting evil take over the land. Well, first of all, when 63 churches in a small county uh, marched through town together, for us, that was bigger than the parting of the Red Sea. And you can talk to the 3,500 or 4,000 people that were there today, you start talking about the march, and everybody tears up. It's just an awesome thing that happened. And then from that, it's like all of a sudden the church had a voice in our community. We thought we had a voice before, but we really didn't. Since the March of 2004, nearly every facet of society here in Manchester has been transformed from the drug culture to political corruption. 
Locals say even the land is responding to the increased presence of God. When God comes, he comes like a divine chiropractor. He snaps things back into alignment that have been out of alignment, whether it's in the political sphere, the economic sphere, uh, the ecological sphere. A few years ago, there was no elk at all here in this part of eastern Kentucky. But right now, they have the largest elk population east of the Mississippi. Uh, the black bear have returned in very, very large numbers, which has brought tourists back into the area, which has begun to uh, rekindle the economy of some of the, the local communities. Even the water is better. In 2008, Kentucky awarded Manchester for having the best tasting water in the state. The documentary's producer, George Otis Jr., has researched nearly 800 cases of transformation revival around the world. But until Manchester, there was not one place in America that met all the criteria. Transformation is not simply confined to a, a series of great meetings and churches or conferences. So, um, you know, when you talk about the presence of God in church meetings, that's one thing. But uh, what about at City Hall? Can they feel the presence of God there? What about in the local campuses? Do they feel it in the classrooms or in, in the jail or, or so forth and so on? Otis says the power of God fell on Manchester because the people of God fell to their knees. They had two choices. They could either throw in the towel and, and say, we're losing an entire generation to drugs. There isn't going to be a tomorrow in Manchester. Or they could fight back. And it wasn't the whole community that fought back. It was really a handful of people that did. But that's very typically the way it works in in genuine transformation stories. It was amazing. I didn't, I didn't ever dream that God could take somebody like me and the way I used to be and put me where I am now. After years of running from the law, former drug dealer Steve Colette surrendered his life to Christ and now helps other men get off drugs through a program called Lifeline at Manchester's Community Church. The guys has done time with me and they they thinking, well, he's lost his mind, or this, you know, this, this is real. And I tell them, look, man, I found, I found the, the right thing, and his name's Jesus, and, and you know, we've had, we've had great results of that. This fall, the story of Manchester hits the road in what they're calling the Hope for America tour, a 50-city tour featuring the new documentary, An Appalachian Dawn, which is already inspiring many who seek revival in their towns. I uh, was in tears a lot. Um, I uh, had a son that died from drugs, and uh, he was only 42. That's why I have such a passion to try to help other people that are addicted. And I believe that we're now, you know, 12 to 24 months away from a whole new crop of transformed communities in different parts of the United States. I can't tell you which ones they're going to be but some of them are going to ignite. I said, Lord, why Manchester? Why would Manchester, Kentucky be the place? And he said, because if people can understand how bad it's been and where you are now, it will give every city in America hope that they can change. Wendy Griffith, CBN News, Manchester, Kentucky. Revival, why not here, why not now, why not us? Huh? Thank you, Jesus. So as we close, let's ask the Lord to help us 
to be able to see this kingdom. I mean, because, you know, we're all going through battles. The enemy's working us over and beating us up, and you get depressed and discouraged, and your head's down. All you see is your belly button. And you, but lift your head up. I mean, realize that we're citizens, and we got a great king, and, and begin to see more of the church, begin to see more of the city and the nation, and seeing this kingdom come. But I want to ask you this question before we leave. Are you in the kingdom? Are you a child of God? Just because you know or not, you need to get things right with God. You need to be born again. There needs to be some time in your life where you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, where you publicly acknowledge Him as Lord and Savior. This could be your opportunity right now. There's been people praying for you. This whole message could have been just, just setting you up. Somebody invited you. Somebody's praying for you. I'm going to count to three. Like somebody gave me an opportunity 20-some years ago. And I had to make a choice. Because by not raising my hand, I would make a choice. But I made a choice that day. Okay, Jesus, this is the day. Jesus, take the wheel. You're going to control my life. And I'm going to need your help. And I tell you, I have not regretted one day. Yeah, sure. Four days after that, my wife had a baby premature. The doctor said she wouldn't walk or talk. I mean, I was in a battle right after that. But thank God, I got into the kingdom of light, and I had hope. And in our situation, God did a miracle and healed our daughter. She's 25 years old, married. I mean, uh, God just did a miracle, changed the CAT scans. But I had to decide that day whether it didn't or not. And she went back to heaven or whatever happened. I was going to serve him. And so today, on the count of three, if you want to get things right with God, if you want to be born again, enter the kingdom, ask Jesus to come into your heart, on the count of three, you hold up your hand, and we're going to pray for you. One, two, three. Anybody? Young people? Got one over there? Anybody else? See your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? You know it or not. It's not about joining a church today. It's about entering the kingdom of God and being born again. Well, we're going to stand in just a minute. And when we do, I'm going to altar team's going to come up here. And if you have any need at all, I know it's lunchtime and I want to hear longer this service than the other ones. So if you come to the first service, you've got to get out on time because we've got to quit. And you get to the next one. But I'm telling you, I just felt a hunger in this room. And I, I really believe this video is stirring some things in some people about our city too. And so some of you might just need to stick around for a song and worship a little bit. But altar team, if we'll all stand up now, altar team, come forward. If you raised your hand, I want you to come down to the front. We're going to pray with you. If you need healing in your body, I believe God's going to heal some people today. If you need set free from something, there's freedom in this room. If you need anything, the Bible says if two should agree as touching anything, it'll be done. I believe when you grab a hold of the hands of that person, they begin to pray, God's kingdom is going to come in a powerful way. And you're going to sense the king moving on your behalf. Amen? God been good today? Let's give Jesus one more hand clap. Amen. Pastor Nick, sing it once through. After he's saying it once through, you're welcome to dismiss yourself. Come to the altar right now. The altars are open.